Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to Brooklyn, New York. Bed-Stuy, do or die. This is the story of one hot day on one block in Brooklyn and the people who lived and worked there. This is Do Do the the Right right Thing. thing. Okay, Erin, give us the particulars. All right, the particulars. Do the Right Thing, 1989. It made its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival on May 19th, 1989. You were nine years old. Well, this is... No, you weren't. You were eight. Well, yeah, but this is marking its 30th anniversary this year. Okay. Its wide release was on July 21st, 1989. Still eight years old. Which, fun fact, was the same day as Tim Burton's Batman opened. Whoa. Uh Uh-huh. I remember going to see Batman. I don't remember seeing this movie. But I do remember hearing about it. And it's interesting what I heard about it and my impressions from. Mm. I do want to add, you were, yes, eight years old. And, yes, we did take you to Batman. And, yes, your four-year-old brother went to Batman. And, yes, it was probably an R-rated movie. Moving on. But Prince did the soundtrack. It had Jack Nicholson in it. Like, Come on. Yeah. I mean, And yeah. it wasn't an R-rated film. Oh, it was PG-13. I'm pretty sure it was PG-13. Well, we took our kids to movies. We, ex- we exposed them to all kinds of stuff. You did not take me to see Do the Right Thing. I did not. No, that would have been funny, though. I don't know how you would have reacted. <laughs> I, I don't know why. It's not like we made a conscious parental decision not to take you. Well, here's the thing that I don't. I think you're forgetting. Probably. July 21st, 1989, when we saw Batman. Do you know where we were when we saw Batman? Well, if it was, ju- it was 89, we're on our way to Germany. Yes, exactly. We were in Cincinnati, all packed up, and getting ready to bounce on over to Germany. Yeah, so we needed some. So we didn't even have time to go see Do the Right Thing. We yeah, were in the middle true. of moving. That's true. Okay. Wow, you remember that. Yeah, because I was I remember that I was really excited to see Batman. Because it was a big deal, that movie. Yes, and you had all the t-shirts. Yeah, and, such. and Prince yeah. Poppy had the um the soundtrack. Yeah. And he was playing it all the time. Cause you got to Germany with that new Batman stuff and it hadn't hit Germany yet. I know. Yeah. Okay, back to do the right thing. (laughs) I know. Um, It was produced, written, and directed by Spike Lee. It was... Is this his first movie? No, it's his third film. He did She's Gotta Have It, School Days, and then Do the Right Thing. Okay. He also did Mo Better Blues, Malcolm X, Four Little Girls, Inside Man, Jungle Fever, He Got Game, and this past year, he directed 
and got his first Academy Award nomination for Best Director. Wait, I know. I He did direct Malcolm X. You're kind of confused why he didn't mm-hmm. get nominated. And also That's this movie. Um, but for Black Klansmen. Mm-hmm. But as we have seen before with the Academy Awards, I would just like to point out again, the Academy Awards tends to not necessarily honor the best performance it tends to give um career capping things overall overall mm-hmm. you know Going close i just watched the white right that's what i've been hearing and yeah. denzel washington getting best actor for training day and not getting it for malcolm x yeah. Because Al Pacino got it for Scent of a Woman and not for The Godfather Part 1 or Part 2. Yeah. It's, Hoorah. Or, and he didn't get it for Dog Day Afternoon. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how the Academy goes. Paul Newman getting it for The Color of Money. Yeah. 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 It's it, it, The Academy Awards operates on a... Are uh, bad. Like, I guarantee you in five to 10 years when people look back and they say what was the 2018 best picture and they're going to see it was the list and it was what was the movie called like a fish it's the shape fish of water war. no not, not the shape of water <laughs> yeah when the shape of, <laughs> shape water, of water wins yeah. and everybody in five to ten years is going to remember get out and, they're yeah. gonna, and when we're doing this podcast, we're going to be like, man, get out. What? Yeah. And we're like, what did it lose to? The Shape of Water. What the, the hell? The Shape of Water where a woman has sex with a fish. I never saw a shape, the Shape of Water. I did because I wanted to I be informed in my disgust. There you go. That's Back why, remember, the right that's thing. why we even watched How Green Is My Valley. Exactly. We are here to inform mm-hmm. our three listeners. The music was by Bill Lee, who is Spike Lee's dad. He scored Spike Lee's first four movies. She's got that I it. did not know. Mm-hmm. I like that. School Days and Mo Better Blues. Oh, I like it. Mm-hmm. Should have d- had some uh, Manzel in there, but okay. Man, that would have been nice. Yeah. The director of photography was Ernest Dixon. Or Ernest Dickerson, he has he was the director of photography for Law and Order episodes, Brother from Another Planet, Crush Groove, Eddie Murphy Raw, Mo Better Blues, Jungle Fever, Cousin Bobby, Malcolm X, and then he's gone on to be a director in his own right, directing Juice episodes of The Wire, ER, Weeds, Dexter, Law and Order, The Walking Dead, Treme. Seven Seconds, The Man in the High Castle, House of Cards. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, he's a bona fide director in his own right. The editor is Barry Alexander Brown. He also edited Malcolm X, He Got Game, 25th Hour, Inside Man, and music videos for Prince, Michael Jackson, and Stevie Wonder. He got nominated for his first Oscar for editing for Black Klansman. He... He has a great interview on this podcast called The Big Picture with Sean Fennessy. He was interviewed, and he had some great stories. The production designer was Wayne Thomas. The production company was 40 Acres and a Mule Filmworks. 
And we and have that's, our, is that that Spike Lee's company? It is Nerd Alert. The forty acres and a mule. It comes from eighteen sixty five special field order fifteen from General Sherman that ordered the distribution of lots of 40 acres to some free black families on Georgia's coast and some surplus army mules. But then when Lincoln was killed, Andrew Johnson, he revoked it and he took away the land from the free slaves. Well done, Andrew. Mm -hmm. Um, Andrew Johnson was also impeached. It's 40 acres and a mule film works is... It also has an ad division, and they've done ads for Super Bowl and Nike and Lay's, among others. May I ask a question? You may ask. Does Spike Lee, does Spike Lee only have people of color working for him, or does he? No, this Barry Alexander Brown is a white guy. Okay. He was born in England and raised in America. I felt like Spike Lee would want to give opportunities for people of color, but he's going to want the best. Yeah, he, I mean, he went to film school with, with, uh, Ang Lee. They were in the At same, NYU? Did NYU. He go to NYU? Mm-hmm. Yes. For, the, for okay. his, uh, master's degree. Okay. And, yeah. Um, the cast, we have Spike Lee plays Mookie. You have Danny Aiello. He plays yeah. Sal. He was in The Godfather Part 2, Moonstruck, Harlem Nights, The January Man. I always laugh when I hear The January Man because for some reason I remember that from my childhood when you were like, I'm watching The January Man. Hmm. And I was always like, "That's but your birthday's January. What's the man the only do? reason. I know. Um, Ozzie Davis, who played the mayor. <sighs> He was in School Days, Joe vs. the Volcano, Malcolm X, Grumpy Old Men, The Client, Get on the Bus, Get on the Bus, and he was in. He's been in so much TV. I mean, so so good. And Ruby D. Ruby D. is back. Remember, she was in. She plays mother sister. She was in A Raisin in the Sun. Mm -hmm. She was in Jungle Fever, American Gangster. She was in the Tall Target, which if anybody listens to My Favorite Murder, the most recent episode had the the tale of the Baltimore plot to kill Lincoln. And the Tall Target is the 19, I think it's 1955 movie about that plot. Oh, wow. I don't know that. Yeah, there was, I mean, a lot lot of people know about it because uh, eventually a plot was successful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Giancarlo Esposito plays Bugging Out. He was so good. Yeah, remember, he's Gus Fring in Breaking Bad. Exactly. He was in Trading Places. Um, he's a bit in Mo Better Blues, The Usual Suspects, Ali. We have Bill Nunn, who played Radio Raheem. He was in Mo Better Blues, New Jack City, Regarding Henry, Sister Act, He Got Game, the 2002 Spider-Man movies. John, like, this cast is pretty loaded. It was really hard to recast this movie. I think I only got two. I couldn't recast it. I recast it, but it's I definitely couldn't. a Hamilton cast. It's just all mixed up. It's just because it's crazy because it's everybody in this movie has gone on to be like you know them. He right. he just like there's there's nobody. 
perfect in each role. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So we have yeah, okay. John Turturro. He was Pino. Oh, no. John Turturro was a young guy. Was this his film debut? Oh, no. John Turturro has had a long career. I know, but I thought this was his first film. I don't know about that. It was Rosie Perez's first film. It was. John Turturro, he was in Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, The Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, To Live and Die in L.A., Quiz Show, Monk, The Night Of... Yeah, just recently, the night of. Mm -hmm. We have yeah. Richard Edson, who played Pino's brother Vito. He was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Desperately Seeking Susan, Platoon, Dirty Dancing. And another nerd alert, he was the original drummer for Sonic Youth. So I was like, what? Definitely a unique look. Yeah. He, he looked like a boxer. He looked like an Italian-American. Come on. <laughs> We have Roger Guinevere, Guinevere Smith. He played Smiley. He was also in Malcolm X, Poetic Justice, Eve's Bayou. That guy's been in a bunch of stuff. Rosie Perez. She plays Tina. You know her from White Men Can't Jump. Fearless. She won three Emmys being the choreographer for In Living Color. She's been on The View. Yeah, uh, she's, she's good. I like Rosie. I think it's Joey Lee, Spike Lee's sister. She's been in a bunch of his movies. Martin Lawrence as C. This was his first movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, Martin or er, so young. Robin Harris with the the best name character in the movie, Sweet Dick Sweet. Willie. <laughs> Sweet Dick Willie. <laughs> he was a hilarious stand-up comic, and he did Baby's Kids, and then he passed away like real before his time. Yeah, because he was super funny. He was, the three of them were so funny. Yeah. And Samuel L. Jackson as yeah. Mr. Senior Love Daddy. Because I went, I know that voice. I know that voice. It just started reminding me of uh, that movie Warriors. Except all you would see was the radio, the disc jockey. And it was Lynn, I think it was Lynn Thinkpen's mouth. And she, in that movie Warriors. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this is like Warriors. This reminds me of it. So those are, that's the cast. Uh, particulars. Okay, well, Do the Right Thing starts with Rosie Perez dancing to the song Fight the Power. Nerd alert. I mean, it's a long dance because she is dancing through the credits. But it took eight hours to film that well yeah because she's dancing throughout but it has different setups because she's does. doing the angry dancing which i'm it, like Do yeah it still? wasn't until the very end when she's going fuck you spike lee because he <laughs> kept making her dance and she's going i have danced for six hours and he and finally at the end when she was so pissed at him those were the the takes he went that's what i want that's what i want uh, Nice. Because yeah. it does, it sets up the film perfectly. You're like, man, it was, this lady's yeah. angry. Yeah, she got angry. And you know, public enemy. It, I was listening, like, you're listening to it, and then you just think, man, this is before Flava Flav just, like, went off the rails. Like, Flava Flav used to be, I mean, public enemy. People were scared of public enemy just because they were like, we need to fight the power. Fight the and power. people are like, oh, well, we'll get into that later. 
Okay, well, it's 8 o'clock. An alarm goes off. There's a radio show, show going on. It's Samuel L. Jackson is the DJ. It is a hot day in Brooklyn. They just keep talking about how hot it's going to get. It's going to get to over 100 degrees today. You see fans, electric fans everywhere. We get Mookie, who is Spike Lee, and he's counting out money. And we see a young John Turturro. And we see a big-ass Cadillac coming down the street. And it's Danny Aiello and Sons going to their pizzeria that they own. Um, he's trying to get his sons to sweep the sidewalk. And each son tells the other son it's their job to do. So Mookie, Spike Lee, works at the pizzeria. He's the delivery guy. So he has to, remember, this takes place on one block in Brooklyn. And he has to deliver the pizzas. And so he has to walk up all those brownstones. So Ozzie Davis comes in. He, it, he looks like a homeless person. His seersucker suit mm. is very dusty and dirty. He's got some kind of a little hat on his head. And he comes in, and Danny Aiello, who owns the pizzeria, will give him a dollar to go sweep the sidewalk that his kids won't sweep, which he can then go to the little fruit and vegetable stand across the street to buy his can of Miller High Life. But they're out of that, so he has to buy a different beer. He has to buy Miller Light. Then we see but this. You're, but and all, the whole time... You, it sets up that uh, John Turturro, Pino, he doesn't mu- he doesn't like the shop. He doesn't like being around black people, and his dad and Sal is kind of at this point very. Um, he has endeared himself to the audience because he's helped out this guy, the mayor that came in. Right. Right. And he kind of helps out the whole neighborhood. I mean, it's obvious he's had this shop for a long time. It's his pizzeria. And, hey, they're doing a good business. Mm -hmm. There's always pizzas to deliver. And um, Okay, so uh, then this huge dude walks up with an even bigger boombox. And what's his name? I forget. Radio Rahim. Radio Rahim. So everybody's on edge because it's so freaking hot and it's only going to get hotter today. Lots of yelling going on. So Rosie Perez is in an apartment with a toddler son and with her mom. Then we have three. So it's just setting up the people on the block. Three men on a sidewalk with a beach umbrella. And the three of them just... It's like what I assume Poppy talks about at the barbershop. Yeah, they're just, you know, just cracking jokes, cracking each other up. And, and and hitting, I mean, I mean, being hard on each other. Yeah, but it's funny. It is funny. Like uh, the one guy goes, hey, you're 30 cents away from having a quarter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so much. So in the pizzeria, there's a he wall. Said, of- he said you eat the holes out of donuts. Yeah, I know. There were several. I could only write down one of them. Drink time. So in the pizzeria, there is a um, Hall of Fame. And it is all Italian-Americans who have made it big in show business. 
and um, uh, the dude from Breaking Bad, Giancarlo, what's his name? Giancarlo in Esposito. In this, it's bugging out. Bugging out. He comes in. He is. He has these huge Coke bottle glasses that make his big eyes look even bigger. Like they're bugging out. Like they're bugging out. And he's totally pissed that there are no brothers on the wall. It is only Italian-Americans. You're in an African-American neighborhood. Put some brothers on the wall, dude. Mm -hmm. All I see is black folks eating here. So put some brothers on the wall. So then it's Mookie's job. He's the one who delivers the pizzas to get his brother out of there before he causes any trouble. Mm -hmm. Well, Buggin' Out decides we're going to boycott Sal's until he puts some brothers on the wall. And that's the premise of the movie. Mm -hmm. So Mookie's delivering pizza. He sees the mayor. The mayor is Ozzie Davis, who looks like a homeless person. Well, he's not homeless. He's just a drunk. And he's, he's not homeless. He just looks homeless. And, and the mayor says, hey, Mookie, always do the right thing. And then there's somebody doing hair on the stoop, doing um, sister mother's hair on the stoop. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of that um, Corinne Bailey Ray song about doing hair on the stoop. Oh, I don't know. I laughed when she was like, I'm tenderheaded. <laughs> yeah, so go easy on me. I was like, oh, uh, I'm and not. I'm going, yeah, you didn't have Poppy as a Poppy because he made sure you weren't going to be tenderheaded. <laughs> so somebody opens the fire hydrant because it's so hot. Open the fire hydrant so the water goes out. Everybody's having a blast in the water. Well, a dude comes by with his old uh, convertible. Oh, this uh, is the guy from The Sopranos. Who is he in The Sopranos? Uh, yeah, he was one of those Yeah, guys. he was a guy in The Sopranos. Yeah, I don't know which one. I feel like he was in a rival crew. Uh, probably. And he's got his convertible caddy that is a, an, a vintage car. Haven't heard of that before. And he's going, I don't want any, I don't want any water on my car because it's a vintage car. Well, they have taken cans and taking the ends off so that they can like even like make it like water cannons mm -hmm. coming out of the hydrant. And so they're going, we're not going to mess with your car. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and it's not a, that innocent. There's like racial taunting going back and forth. Oh, yeah. There's racial taunting through the whole thing between Italian-Americans and African-Americans mostly. Well, you, you also and have Koreans and Puerto Ricans. You have the Korean market, the vegetable, the fruit and vegetable market. It's like a little... Like a seven. bodega, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, we'll talk about that more. And so the police come because the fire hydrant has been breached. And they make they turn the water off. And those that will... Oh, and so they're asking who turned the the hydrant on and i think it's the mayor says those that will tell those that will tell don't know those that know won't tell so that's the honor of the neighborhood yeah snitches get stitches so we have puerto ricans on the stoop who have uh, a boom box and then 
the the big guy with the boombox. They they have a battle of the boombox. Radio Rahim. And then there's a white dude in the neighborhood, and he runs over Bugging Out's brand new white Jordan mm. with his bicycle. The gentrification. And, and he's also wearing a Larry Bird jersey. <laughs> Which, if you don't know, you don't pay attention to, but yeah. Um, and so he owns a brownstone. And they're going, why, why are you owning a brownstone in our neighborhood? Because it's the one he could afford and he buys it. So yeah, gentrification's coming. The three old men are there. Uh, and they're talking about the Koreans who own the fruit and vegetable bodega. And they're going... Yeah, it's not right. I mean, they've been here a year and they already own a business. You know, why don't our people own that business? Why did we let Koreans come in? Because they actually had the gumption to get up and do it. Or the money or whatever. But they're talking about how that's not right. Okay, then we meet Pino. Well, we've met him before, but he is an extreme racist. He wants out of this neighborhood. He wants to open a pizzeria in the Italian-American neighborhood. And he and Mookie talk. Um, is this about what Mookie asked him who all his favorite people are? Yes. Yeah, Mookie's like, Pino, let me ask you something. Who's your favorite um Who's your favorite baseball player? I forget who his favorite baseball player was. But it was a black guy. He was black. And he was like, who's your favorite actor? I think it was like Eddie Murphy. And he was like, who's your favorite singer? I think it was, what, Prince? Like, anyway, yeah. er the answer to every one of his questions was it was all black guys. And Mookie's like, but P Pino, how come you don't like black people, but all your favorite people are black? And Pino's like, because they're not they're they're like they're more than black yeah they're it's not like just oj simpson they're not black they're celebrity yeah yeah it's like when oj's like i'm not black i'm oj like it, it so was like he knows going off on his racial stereotypical terms i mean he has a tirade that's just hideous and um mookie comes back with that's the story of life it's always love versus hate and uh, Rahim, with the big boombox, has rings on his hands. One says love and one says hate. Nerd alert! When he does that whole thing, uh, when he, like, to the camera for that, and he has the rings that say love and hate, that kind of mm -hmm. came from this 1955 film called Night of the Hunter. I saw a lot of references to Night of the Hunter with this. Oh, I only know that. So we have to put Night of the Hunter on our list. We do indeed. Okay, well, so Pino and Sal are sitting at a table at the window that overlooks the street. And Pino is trying to talk Sal into selling this place and getting a place in Little Italy. Bensonhurst. And, and Sal is going, there are a gazillion pizzerias in Little Italy. This is where I started. This is where I started my business. These people eat my pizza. I've seen them grow from babies to adults. I'm going to keep my pizzeria here because these people have grown up on my pizza. But uh, Pino doesn't want to hear that because he wants to get away from the black people. Um, and he goes, I'm sick of the 
And there was lots of N-words thrown around. And, and his father, Sal, goes, I've never had any trouble with these pizza. Um, I'm not selling and I'm not moving. So Buggin' Out is trying to organize a boycott against Sal's. They say, he says, we're not giving any money to Sal's until we see some brothers up on the wall. Well, what about sisters up on the wall, too? Well, <laughs> baby steps, I guess. Well, he said black people, but then he was like brothers. But I, I included that to mean the women, too. Um, well, Jade is Mookie's sister, and she comes in, and Sal is falling all over her. And Mookie does not like this one bit. Not only Mookie, but Pino, oh, Pino doesn't and like Vito are everybody's shooting eyes at and each other. And also like. going on at this time, um, you can tell that Vito and Mookie, they're friends. They're cool. They've gone out on deliveries and stuff. And Mookie tries to tell Vito, you shouldn't let your brother Pino. <laughs> Mookie, Vito, and Pino sounded funny <laughs> to me. Um, I was like, is my is that right? Yes, it is. Keep going. Yeah. Um, that he shouldn't let his brother hit on him and beat up on him. He needs to stand up for himself. So then Pino finds out about it, and he's got more beef with Mookie because he's like, "Stay out of my business. If I want to beat up my little brother, I can beat up my little brother." Yeah. Okay. Well, and then uh, Radio Rakim, <laughs> he needed twenty. D batteries because his big ass boombox was losing power. He needed twenty. Yeah, but D his batteries. Was, his was the loudest boombox in the neighborhood. He beat the My Puerto God, Ricans. It was huge. Yeah, it was the size of a Kia. It was, and the only thing he's playing, he's got a Ben Stuy Ben Do or Die shirt, the love hate things, this huge boombox, and all it is is blast and fight the power. That's all it's blasted. And Mookie asks him at some point, don't you have a different tape? And he goes, this is the only one I like. Yeah, it's like this one is, it was like, what, you don't like public enemy? Like, the answer to that okay. question cannot be no. <laughs> so this was halfway through the movie, which is my cue to stop taking notes. Um, the day goes on and more things happen. Now it's just heating up. It's boiling over. It's boiling, as any hot day does. Uh, this was, there was, not everybody had air conditioning. In fact, I don't know anybody in this movie who had air. Did Sal's have air conditioning? I don't think so. They were pretty sweaty. Everybody was sweating. Everybody was sweating. And so you know that there is going to be a climax. And it's a racial climax. And it's a... And so it all comes to a head and it ends up that um, the pizzeria gets burned down. Somebody well. <laughs> actually dies. Yeah, I, would, I would say like, oh, are we keeping it vague for them? Like, oh, go watch it. Yeah. Police violence happens against a young black African. I had, to, I had to look at my, I, I, was this really made in 1989 and not 2019? Really? What? I mean, it's so, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that this is still going on. So that's where I stopped taking notes. But yeah, all that explodes and 
Yeah, so if you want to watch it, please. I don't say if you want to watch it. I think this is one of those movies, if you've listened to our podcast and you enjoy us, that you should watch it. And if yeah. you've seen The Black Klansman, you should watch it. Yeah. And if you just like cinema, you should watch it. And Erin's going to tell us why with her nerd alert. I am. Are we at nerd alerts now? My notes we're are all, all we're over We're already the place. at nerd alerts unless you want to talk no. more about what happened. Ma, we forgot the, the POW count. <gasps> POW instead of POC. So we have Sal, Pino, Vito, Larry Bird guy, and two cops. I have a POW count of six. Do you agree? It's probably about right, yeah. I have an Asian count, more specifically Korean, of two. And well, they I have, have a son. They have a, a little oh, son. Oh, that's right. Three, my bad. And I have a Puerto Rican count of five. Yeah. I'm sure there were more. There were intermixed in there. Yes, because I, I was not counting Rosie Perez. I guess I counted her as black. Although um, she could probably... Fully fall mate. I don't know. Is she Puerto she Rican? Would, I think she would choose Puerto Rican. She had a black son because she had Mookie's son. She did have Mookie's son. But I mean, I don't want to say that she's, I don't know for a fact if she's right. Puerto Rican. She right. would be Dominican. I don't know. That's true. That's why I don't want to offend I, anybody. Yeah, so I don't. Um, This is awkward. I do not want to offend Rosie Perez. Yeah, I'm I don't know, but it doesn't matter to me. Exactly. Okay. But it was primarily a black cast. And I hope the people behind the scenes were primarily black as well. Um, I don't know, but probably. I do know that the film crew was threatened by crack dealers. And that Spike Lee hired the uh, Fruit of Islam as security. Oh, because, um, yeah, um, Mr. Farrakhan was brought up. Mm -hmm. And it was shot all on Stuyvesant Avenue between Quincy Street and Lexington Avenue. But that's that's neither here nor there. Where are we? So we did the POCs. POWs. We are on nerd alerts. Oh, man. Man, I do that nerd alert. Now, Aaron has, uh, Aaron had yet another flood last weekend because it rained. I got flooded in Southern again. California. Yeah, a lot of rain. And so she had to have what little carpet remained in her apartment taken up for tile to be put down. So she is a little disorganized, I, but and we're going to stick with it. I started taking notes of the laundry mat, and then the, the sheet that I was taking was in the car. When I had found out that I had time to take more notes, so then I had to take it, the other notes on another sheet of paper. And then you guys think this is a stress-free environment, but no, we we strive to be ready for you people when we broadcast. Okay, so Podcast. here we go. This was the idea came for this from a couple of things. One, yes. Spike Lee saw an Alfred Hitchcock presents called Shopping for Death where the characters discuss how hot weather increases violent tendencies. Really? I didn't know that. And, cool. the, and then there was also the Howard Beach racial, racial incident, which 
happened December 20th, 1986, when Michael Griffiths was killed. He was 23, and he was hit by a car after being chased onto a highway by a mob of white youths. That was in Queens, right? Yes, Howard yeah. Howard Beach, yeah. Queens. Inspired by a true event. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a true event, Michael Griffith's death. Um it was that was the second of three infamous racially motivated killings of black men by white mobs in New York in the nineteen eighties. You also had Willie Turks in nineteen eighty two and Yusef Hawkins in nineteen eighty nine. And then there was also the shooting of Eleanor Bumpers. She was shot by the NYPD on October 29, 1984. The police came to enforce a city-ordered eviction. She was an elderly woman. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe she was in her 80s. And she was mentally disturbed. She had mental problems. And Probably Alzheimer's. She was point. in the Bronx public housing, and the housing authority said she was emotionally disturbed. So the NYPD came in, and bumpers refused to open her door. the The thing was is that they came in because she was saying, "Well, she just had mental problems." And when they came in, they realized that she needed to be hospitalized. So their plan was they would evict her and then check her into the hospital, but she wouldn't let people come in, and yeah. then. When the police came in, she, um, they said that she was, you know, they broke it down in a struggle. Highly ensued. agitated, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And they shot her twice with a 12-gauge shotgun. <gasps> Do they not have a stun gun? No, that, this is why they have stun tasers now, oh actually. God. The officer who shot her was charged with second-degree manslaughter, and he was acquitted. Acquitted, Mm -hmm. imagine. The family sued for $10 million and settled for $200,000. And after that, the NYPD uh, had protocols in place for dealing with um, mentally distressed people, and they started carrying tasers so that they wouldn't, you know, shoot an elderly woman with the 12-gauge shotgun. Right. So have we seen that help issues at all? Maybe mentally, a mentally issue, women with old ladies with a mental issue that might have helped them. Doesn't help the young black youth. No. So there was a, there was a lot of stuff going around, and so he wrote the script in two days. I mean, not two days. He wrote it in two weeks. That's what I heard. Two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is fast for a script. Yes. Two weeks. Yeah, it's pretty fast. Um, where are my notes? Are my notes? Yep. I have a nerd alert. I've got a, it's hard to know nerd alerts and tasty nuggets. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, my nerd alert is the cinematography. Oh, yeah. Was um, similar to the third man, the disorienting camera with the angles tilting up. The, the, he like attributed that to the, we have done the third man. Mm-hmm. The um, canted angles, the Dutch angles. A, the Dutch angles, exactly. Mm-hmm. The, the 45-degree angle, it's unstable and off-kilter, and it makes you, the people, like when you're watching it, you feel as though the people are just going to tumble out of the frame. Yeah, you shows. really do. You, know, you don't know what it's called, mm-hmm. but you go, 
damn, that was that was disturbing. That was yeah, that got my attention. All right, I found my nerd alert. So I watched um a thing on the internet from PBS called Crash Course Film Criticisms. And so this is where I got this information about you said the the uh, the Dutch angles. There was also times where he, they broke the fourth wall like with the racist rants. Um, okay, I want I want to stop there for for those of us who are not film aficionados. And last week when Aaron kept talking about the fourth wall, I finally went, "Oh shit, she's talking about the wall where the camera is." Like there are three walls that you see, and then there's the fourth wall, which is where the camera is. Yeah, and usually for those of you who needed that. Usually in film, you don't. That's why you never look into the camera. It's very rare, and you always notice it when a character does look directly into the camera. Exactly. Um, so th- that happens with the racist rants, and it also happens with Radio Rahim and his love hate soliloquy. Yeah, you really see it with Rahim. Mm-hmm. There's shifting, um, shifting moves within the like shifting tones, because or sh- yeah, the shifting moods within the the film because there there's always like tension that builds up and then it gets released and sometimes it gets released and you never know if it's gonna get released in a comedic way or if it's gonna get released in a tragic way. Yeah, because like the stuff with with the car when the Italian guy's driving his car, yeah, and it's like it's kind of very comedic and stuff. And then when his car gets all wet, and then the police are there, you're like, oh man, how is this yeah. gonna go? Is shit gonna go down? Yeah, and, and then it just kind of like disperses and stuff. So there will always be like that building up the tension, and then and then you don't know how or if it's going to be um, dealt with. And you, yeah, like you can be having a conversation at a happy hour with people and all of a sudden this tension builds and you don't know how is it going to be released? Is somebody going to put a one liner in there to release the tension or is it going to build even more? (laughs) How awkward is this going to get? How awkward am I going to get? Ouch. Um, The production designer. So this was shot, as I said, on a real street in in Brooklyn right in the Bed-Stuy neighborhood and the color scheme was changed by the production designers they wanted to use a lot of red and orange to convey the heat wave warm colors mm-hmm. a lot of warm colors and so that also they removed all the blues and greens and purples mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. it and then they also they used heat lamps underneath the lenses to get that heat shimmer in some shots. Yes, because so you like, feel oh, that. Heat. You so want to drink water watching this. Yeah. yeah. And there's a there's cool long tracking shots, like while when Mookie's walking from place to place. Um, and they With look. Yeah, because it, it looks like it's just easy and very free flowing, but they're actually very hard to do because you have to choreograph and you'll see like minor characters interacting and going to and fro. So this film was very, um, like it was very well directed. Like it's like, yeah, Spike Lee knows what he's doing. And see a lay person can watch it and go, yeah, okay, it's a film, but you know what to look for. Yeah, it's just like this guy knows what he's doing. 
Um, so that was in that. That was the nerd alerts that I okay. have. Save your tasty nuggets for tasty nuggets. Okay. Okay, I have a reheatable. I got What's okay. That? Smiley. Why? Why do we have to have Smiley? Smiley is a character who has pictures he's trying to sell, photographs he's trying to sell of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X together. But Smiley has a severe speech impediment. I thought so that, like, that Smiley was like... Mentally challenged. Yes. And, but he could have just had a severe speech impediment. But people like that exist. People like that exist, but it was uncomfortable to me the way he was presented. Oh, well, like he was a dismiss. He was a disposable character because he had some kind of challenge. Was it speech? Was it mental? Um, it, he, I just I didn't feel comfortable with Smiley. Well, Smiley was not in the original script. He wasn't, and we did not need to add him. The actor pestered Lee for the role. I know, but I feel like he is comic relief where we don't need comedy. Oh, I didn't laugh at Smiley once. I didn't think that. I feel like maybe other people did. Oh, but those people, those people laugh at those people in real life. And it's exactly. I know, but it's. But if if Smiley wasn't in this movie, it wouldn't change those people from laughing at him. And but if Smiley wasn't in this movie, would it have changed the movie at all? Well, the last shot of the movie is the picture it's that Smiley, Smiley put picture up on the Wall of Fame. I agree. Of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and that was those are the last two credits because it but all has to do with the end. Right. Couldn't Mookie have put that picture up? Because he did purchase it. No. Mookie couldn't have put that picture up with it because Mookie wasn't in the mental state to put that picture up with it. Up on I the just, wall. I felt very uncomfortable with the smiley character. Oh. So you can go on. Oh. And my other reheatable that was that was a sad reheatable is that there is still an issue between police and young black youth. Oof, I don't, you don't even have to say young black youth. It's Which was meant to be. I mean, that's what the film was about, and so that's okay. The smiling character I'm uncomfortable with. Go ahead. I have my my good my reheat my I guess my huh, good reheatables the ones that would reheat a good the opening dance number to fight the power and how angry oh dancing God. she is and stuff I'm like man yeah. she deserves something for that eight um, hours of dance and even before that when it was the the strands of lift every voice and sing and I'm like oh, man why could that just be the national anthem of everyone um how he was on there for climate change talking about the yeah. old men were talking about polar the polar ice caps melting and how yeah. it's only gonna get hotter gentrification yeah. of brooklyn 1989 yeah. yeah what one of the dudes in the the martin lawrence gang he has a comic book what comic book does he have 
Black Panther. He does have Black Panther. I was like, hold on, my man. You're going to be so happy. Yeah. You only have to wait like three years, 30 30, years. Yeah, just wait 29 years, man. It's going to be worth it, It's going to be okay in 29 years. It's not going to win Best Picture, but move on. It could with the weighted ballots, though. How the it's the priority seating of the ballots. I am hoping that Roma wins because whoever I root for loses. <laughs> and so not that I have anything against Roma, except that it okay, moving on. <laughs> except it it's not for us. It was boring. Not for us. No, um, it wasn't. And then, you know, cops killing black people, just yeah. choking them. I was like, man. This is like exactly what happened to Eric Gardner. Huh. Yeah. Except this t- except when that happened in 1989, there weren't cell phones. But then I was like, but there were cell phones and it didn't change anything. Yeah. Thank you, cell phones. And then Great. also can see that he's still going to be acquitted. One of the worst reheatables of this movie is the critics who when it came out were saying how Oh, this movie, how Spike Lee was irresponsible for making this movie, how it was going to elicit um, black moviegoers into rioting. Like, yeah, all of that stuff that people said when the movie came out. That's not a great reheatable. No, it's not. They, and so Spike Lee, he said that like he was mad about it because he's like that implies that black audiences are incapable of restraining themselves while watching a fictional motion picture. And nobody was like, oh, my gosh, everyone's going to go see Arnold Schwarzenegger films and kill. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that. So those were my reheatables. Who are your MVPs? Ozzy and Ruby. Oh, those are good MVPs. I mean, come on. You get to see Ozzy Davis and Ruby D working together. I mean, now, this is what else I have to say. I mean, they are they are Hollywood elite. I don't care who you are. Ozzy Davis, Ruby D, Hollywood elite. And the others held themselves with them. I mean, it wasn't like you're watching... Oh my God, these are true actors. And these other people are, Meh. yeah, I, they were so good. It was so good to see them acting together. And that was those, good. And, oh, excuse me, I just hit the mic. Yeah, what did you say? Excuse me, I just hit the <laughs> Before mic. Before you just hit the mic. When you hit the mic, we, that's what we couldn't hear. Oh, I just felt like they were the MVPs of the movie. Just total class of, yeah, this is how it's done. But everybody else, you know, held held up well next to them. Indeed. I have two MVPs myself. Okay. I have Mookie's wardrobe. The bicycle yes. shorts. Yes. yes. Underneath the shorts, wearing the like- jersey specifically. The Dodgers, uh, Jackie Robinson jersey, his Air yes. Jordans, his multiple socks. Two pair of socks on each foot. Uh-huh. I yeah. will, oh, man. And now if you watch college basketball, it's coming back. That look. The bicycle shorts under the, the basket. Bicycle sh- and yep. everything was coordinated. 
Yeah. He, if it he was did. a red and black day, it was a red and black day with, with the bicycle shorts, the socks, and the rest of the outfit. Mm-hmm. If it was a green day, it was a green day with the socks and the bicycle shorts and the rest of the outfit. Yep. And the second MVP, I think, is the static lack of resolution ending. How nothing, yeah. it's just getting hotter and hotter. There isn't right. one Tomorrow's way or another. Tomorrow's going to be another hot It's going to be another hot fucking day. Try to survive. Another black person is going to die yeah. tomorrow. Because nothing's, nothing's going to change. Nothing's changing th- 30 years later. Yeah. Still the and same I, that's shit. Why, that's why Spike Lee is uh, like with Black Klansmen as long as I told y'all bitches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I told all y'all. Let me lay it out for you then. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And Everyone's brings... calling me the angry black man. Exactly. But Black Klansman, and then he ties in Charlottesville at the end. That's Ooh. when I was in tears. With some very fine people. So and very he, fine uh, people on both sides. And he has, and he put in the very last thing are two quotes. The first quote is by Martin Luther King, and yeah. he's like, you know, you, you, the we shall overcome, and we're going to do it peacefully. And the second Gun one's violence. like. The same one's by Malcolm X, and it's like, everybody's going to think that I'm all just all out about violence. I'm actually not all out about violence. However, if you push me, and you keep pushing me, and you keep pushing me, I'm going to get to a point where within these gates, you come in, I'm going to do some violence to defend myself. And I just do think it, what you gotta do. And it's funny how the narrative of that has always been that it's like, oh, he's by any means necessary, and that means yeah. violence. No, that means like I'm gonna get to a point where I'm gonna be so mad that I'm gonna do some shit. Don't be mad. <laughs> it's like they weren't, and, and no, they weren't mad. They just assassinated him yeah, instead. It's just like get, get your hand out of my pocket. Okay, I had trouble with the recasting. I had I only came up with two. I came up with Mookie was hard. I came up with the Rosie. I came up with such a Sal. Okay. Such a Sal. Now Sal, okay, this is a total Hamilton cast where race, ethnicity does not matter. <laughs> Okay. You're gonna recast the Spike Lee movie with a white person in the lead as Mookie. It'll be hilarious. I am. But not only that, but Sal is gonna be white as well. And wait for it because Love Daddy. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Yes, yes. Okay. Mookie. Michael Cera. All right, Mom. Wow. <laughs> Come this on, is... doofus dude. Yeah, okay, well, in your movie, do you have a, a Radio Rahim? Oh, no, I don't. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> okay, Rosie. Okay. Rosie Perez. Uh-huh. Janelle Monet. So in your movie, you cast Michael It's totally Sarah. Hamilton. Wait, wait, Michael Cera and Janelle Monet are Mookie and Tina? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody can play any part. Because it all started with Sal. Now, Sal, in my recasting, should be a black dude. 
Okay. But he's not. <laughs> because, listen to this. Sal is... Are you ready? <laughs> no, but go ahead. This movie is off the rails already. <laughs> it is because it's Hamilton. Anybody can play any part. Yeah, but... It, okay, go ahead. Get with me. Tom Hardy. <laughs> this is the weirdest what? movie ever. What? Oh my. Tom Hardy? What? Tom Hardy is Sal. Yeah. And he's yelling at Michael Sierra. Do you have a veto in this film? Who's I have who's antagonizing have, your Michael Sierra? Not Vito, I have Pino. Oh yeah, Pino. Who's Pino? Lakeith Stanfield. So Lakeith Stanfield is yelling is Tom Hardy's son. Lakeith Stanfield is Tom Hardy's son. When he's yelling out like racial slurs at Michael Sarah, what slurs are he yelling out? Is he yelling out the Michael's like is Lakeith Stanfield like white playing a white guy even though he's black and so and Michael Sierra's black guy in the role. Yes. But he's yelling out white nastiness to Michael Sierra. To Cera. Michael Sierra, who's Mookie. And he's who's just Mookie? getting really angry at it. Yeah. And then he goes to, to check on Tina, who is Janelle Monet. Yeah. Who's, who's yelling at him for being such a loser. Not yeah, caring for Michael his son. Cera, come on. Yeah, and then and then they go to Sal, who's Tom Hardy. Tom, who I don't care who you are, he's badass. He is, and so then Michael, and so then we haven't cast Radio Rahim, but Michael Sears sees his best friend Radio Rahim get choked to death by the police. Right, I do and have a Radio get, Rahim. No, oh. I don't. I have a love daddy. I have Michael. No, I have Samuel L. Lewis. Samuel L. Lewis. Yeah, I guess. Who's Samuel L. Lewis? <laughs> Jackson. Samuel Jackson. I don't have a radio rock key. I should have. Okay, but I don't. <laughs> this is the craziest movie I've ever heard of in yeah, my life. Exactly. Are you ready for my bugging out? Because he was the one who caused all the problem. Oh, well, I some umbrage was saying that bugging out caused all the problem. I, I, I feel well, as though... Because he wanted to boycott but Sal. all Sal had to do was issue. put up a picture of one person. I guess you're not going to go with my bugging out then. Alright, who's your bugging out? Take a drink. <laughs> Tell me when you've swallowed because I don't want you to spit it out. Okay. Rupert Grint, Ron Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, this is a fun cast. <laughs> Ron, so Michael Cera sees. Yes. So Ron, Ron, Ron Weasley goes up to to Tom Hardy. Yeah. And says, you need to put more cheese on this pizza. And Tom Harding's getting, no, it's extra cheese is $2 more. 
Would Tom Hardy not say that? He would. I'm not disputing. Like, Tom Hardy is a good Sal. Very scary Sal, actually. Thank you. Thank you. But so then, but bugging out is is Ron Weasley. So Ron Weasley goes down. He sits down. He says, where are all the brothers? Why aren't there any black people on here? Yeah. (laughs) That just makes my stomach hurt. (laughs) And then... We don't have a, a, a radio Raheem because no. when Bugging Out comes in, because so then Michael Sierra and Rupert Grint are crying because their friend, they just saw the, the police choke out their friend. And then Michael okay. Sierra gets mad. <laughs> okay. So let's have Radio Raheem be the rock. Okay. So okay. the rock he just got, he gets just choked out. out. Okay. You know Somebody what? Huge. This movie what? would would never get made, but no. I have to say it's hilarious picturing it. Do you want to know who who the uh, DJ Love Daddy is? I do. Samuel L. Lewis. That's just mean. <laughs> I not only ethnically bended, I gender bended. Oh. Okay. Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> Drop the mic. Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> she witnessed The Rock get strangled by police cops. By black police cops. So yeah. The Rock's getting strangled by black police cops? Uh-huh. <laughs> What's your problem? Trying to go against stereotypes <laughs> to just have these wonderful actresses do their thing, and they can do it. They can do it, but it's I I don't think it it's... doesn't. Wait, wait. Okay, so in our recasting, is it supposed to make sense? Well, see, the the hard part about recasting this film is that it is about race, so you kind of. Uh, really back yourself into a corner if you go the whole Hamilton route. <laughs> because then the entire film, the film doesn't make any sense. Well, it's people just, no, but wait a minute. Because it's people just being horrible to other people just because of the peopleness. I didn't mean to tickle you so. Okay, well, let's hear your recast then. Little silly. <laughs> okay. I only recasted two. Um, See, because it was hard yeah, to do. Yeah, because it was, it was really hard to do because, it, like, it, it just kind of... I w- I can't wait to live in a world and society where we can have your movie, and th- then know. this movie makes as much sense. But I just feel like, like no, non-black totally... people watching your movie aren't gonna feel as uncomfortable. Which is the point of this movie is to make like, hey, look, look, look at this. This is this is what's going on, and you might feel uncomfortable, but that's kind of 
the lack of wanting to feel uncomfortable is why we're in the situation we're in. And so maybe questioning what the fuck is going on <laughs> is part of it. Why are these people, why, why is Lakeith Stanfield so anti-Michael Cera? <laughs> Go ahead with yours. Well, it's really crazy because for Mookie, I have Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who don't know, he was he's in Atlanta and and sorry to bother you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he was in Get Out. Come on, Tom Hardy is perfect as Sal. He is. I kind of cheated on my Sal because my Sal that I recast is an actor who has a bit where he does Danny Aiello and he's really good at doing the Danny Aiello laugh. He even calls it Danny Aiello-ing and it's Michael Rappaport. And and he's been in Spike Lee movies. Yeah, he would be. Well, he could be my Rakeem. Okay. Well, you I don't know, Ma. Do. I kind of like that you cast The Rock as Radio Rahim. <laughs> and that you keep calling him Rahim. It's, it's hilarious. And that you cast Mookie with Michael Sarah, and Bugging Out with Ron Weasley. <laughs> I, think, I think it's hysterical. It is. <laughs> Our people are, are listening to just have a good laugh. So... So have wait what his name is not Rakim. I'm pretty radio, sure it's, it's radio, radio Rahim. Yeah, it's no, you're putting a K in it, and I don't think there's a K in it. Oh, he's Rahim. Let's see, do do the right thing, please, God. Let there be a K in that name, please, God. No, it's Radio Rahim. Oh shit. R A H E. Yeah, and this lady just kept calling me Radio Rakim. <laughs> okay, our listeners don't even know who we're talking about, so let's move on to Tasty Nuggets. <laughs> okay. Tasty Nuggets. I have one. They wanted Robert De Niro to be Sal. Yes, but he um, had a complication or he turned it down. But I was listening because Spike Lee did a good interview on the Bill Simmons podcast and he in the long run was said that he was glad because this movie was an ensemble movie. And if it if Robert De Niro had been selling it, it would have been a Robert De Niro film. Correct. Mm -hmm. If Tom Hardy were in it. Did you? I looked up because there's a scene where on the brick wall, it says Tawana told the truth. Yes. Did you look that up? Mm-hmm. I did too. And? It was Tawana Brawley. She said that four white men raped her in 1987 when she was 15. And I think there was police and a prosecuting attorney. But then the grand jury didn't indict because they said that it was a false claim. Exactly. And so it's like, and I don't know. And then in 2014, I guess Spike Lee said in a Rolling Stone interview that he didn't know if it was true or not. So I don't know. But since it's like the Me Too movement, I 
I believe her. I, I believe her, and I believe she was a black young, a black youth who was accusing white men, and they just let that go. So no harm, no foul. Yeah, but they're like they said because she was missing for four days, and she was found in a trash bag with like stuff written on her that wasn't nice in the least and i wouldn't think so and like poop was smeared on her Aww. yeah so i was just oh, like what the hell so yeah this was like the 1980s so this was kind of like what spike lee was thinking about and that's where that is um mm-hmm. let's see what else i, I have when the, the three old men mm-hmm. all of their stuff is improvised well weren't they yeah Oh, yeah, that means, I mean, Robin Harris is a stand-up comedian. Um, was that Sweet Dick Willie? Yeah. He was funny. The Korean store and Sal's were built from scratch on, and they, Sal's pizza, famous pizzeria was a fully functional pizzeria. They were mm-hmm. built on empty lots. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. In in the original script, Sal and Mookie reconcile at the end of the film. They don't at the at the actual film. Mm-hmm. And so many. Oh, and so that this is interesting because. So, I don't know. Like when I watched the movie, because I I realized that I hadn't seen the movie before, but that Me there too. was a lot that. I'd seen a lot of it on clip shows and stuff, and I just knew a lot about the film, and I always saw the, the, and then just the, like, I was nine years old when the film came out, and my impression of Spike Lee, because there was this, and then I remember when Malcolm X came out, and I remember how he, like, got it, was able to finish it, because he got checks from a lot of rich and prominent black celebrities to finish it. Bill Cosby gave him some money. He did. Um, and so he was able to finish it and stuff. And I just always remember hearing about him in the media that he was so, he was always angry. He was the super angry guy and that like do the right thing was like an angry film and stuff. And so I was surprised when I watched it being my age and I guess in the world we are now that I didn't think it was that angry at all. No, I didn't either. And like, and when, when he, the character of Mookie takes the trash can and throws it through the window. Mm-hmm. It was, I was like, I knew why he did it or I knew why I thought he did it. And so I did look it up though, because there have been times where I've been super wrong about a character's motivation and things. I'm like, Oh, he totally did this because of this. And then I look it up and everybody's like, no, he did this because of this. And I was like, oh, I was completely off, off the mark. So I did look it up. And I thought that it was interesting because there's there's two different things. Like, one, because the name of the movie is Do the Right Thing. And it gets its name because, you know, the mayor tells Mookie to always do the right thing. And so I guess that's kind of the question at the end that I never had the question. Like it was funny. Cause I was like, Oh, this movie is about to do the right thing. But I never asked myself, did Mookie do the right thing? 
But that's a question. Because when I was looking up of, like, why did Mookie throw the trash can through Sal's window, uh-huh. it kept coming up with, did Mookie do the right thing? So I had to, like, I had two different rabbit holes to go down that I went down. So which one do you want to know first? Did Mookie do the right thing? Did he do or... the right thing? Okay. So Spike Lee says that he's only ever been asked by white reviewers if Mookie did the right thing, which I mm. thought was interesting because, mm-hmm. yeah, because I didn't, I, I, when I was watching it, I knew why he did it, but then I, I wanted to know if I was completely off the mark. Um, and like, to me, you could see it because the conversations that he has with Pino and that it all takes place in Brooklyn in the 80s. And you can just see him get more and more frustrated over the course of the film, especially uh-huh. with Pino, because he is to a point where he's just like, like you know, get away from me. And you can just see and it Pino escalating. Pino gets more and more angry through the whole film. Yeah. And so does Mookie, but Mookie doesn't show it as much as Pino right. does. He's just boiling and boiling and boiling. And then he sees like his one of his really good friends, because when... Radio Rahim's doing his love-hate speech and stuff. He's saying it directly to Mookie. So even though he's saying it to the camera, the camera's actually Mookie that he's speaking to. And then at the end, he concludes it with, I love you, bro. And he was like, yeah. And it and he said it very sincerely and stuff. And it's, he just watched his one of his really good friends get killed. He's dead. Um. So then some people said that... There, so then there's two different reasons well not too different i mean they could be the same reason but people some people say well mookie threw the trash can through there to save sal because he could tell like it was a way to divert the violence of the crowd towards really i didn't see that at i that's not how i viewed it well yeah neither does spike lee spike lee later came out and he was like no that is not why he threw the trash can into the crowd he was like, um, he didn't do it to divert any attention. His best, he saw his best friend being murdered, mm-hmm. and he was very angry. And when Mookie throws it, the trash can, he yells hate. But it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to hear because I couldn't hear what he said. So I thought that that was interesting. But then it's, and then I also came across it where it was saying that viewers who question the riots the the justification of the riots so when people are like but why are he why would he throw it in and why are you rioting because you always hear that when people are doing riots Mm -hmm. and stuff why are you tearing down your own neighborhood yeah so viewers who question or question the riot justification are, are implicitly failing to see the difference between property and the life of a black man because like when you're there rioting and i don't in any way condone rioting but i understand why they're rioting right because they're destroying property like it's all and then when mookie comes back the next day he's like you know you're gonna you have insurance you're gonna rebuild it's gonna be fine but what goes unsaid is that radio raheem's not fine he's not coming back and everybody is so like they're yeah they destroyed property and stuff but this guy's dead. They, he, they're dead. He's dead. He's right. not coming back. Right. 
So you can rebuild like, a pizzeria. You're mm-hmm. not gonna rebuild Radio Rocky. And then it's like well, do the right thing. But sometimes it's like, well, what's the right thing? You mm-hmm. just saw like you're sit- standing there. There's a fight. It escalated over a boombox, and this guy gets choked out, and he's dead now. And okay, what is the right thing? Like you just don't do anything about that, right? And you just turn the other cheek, and that's kind of like what the Martin Luther King thing is. And then it's like, or is the right thing, you know, self-defense by any means necessary if your means are being threatened? Mm -hmm. Then it got me thinking, because I was like, because I was just thinking about the, because there was so much kind of like backlash against the movie and calling it irresponsible and that it was going to elicit violence and that you know, what is Spike Lee doing? Like, what is he saying? And, you know, you'll just hear people who, you know, obviously certain people who ask, like, why would Mookie do that, though? Why would he throw it in? Why are they rioting? And it's like these people, when they see the movie and they have those questions, they act like they don't destroy stuff themselves. So you have the Boston Tea Party. Mm -hmm. American patriots dressed up like first Americans, they didn't even dress up as themselves. They dressed up as first Americans. <laughs> Did they have on blackface? Probably. Probably. And they destroyed an entire shipment of tea because of taxes, which is money, really. Mm-hmm. They destroyed property over money, which money really isn't a thing. It's just a concept that we've all bought into. But these, but these are American patriots. And then people are asking, but why did Mookie throw a trash can through his employer's window after he saw his friend get murdered? Like we have a, we call these people patriots who dumped over a bunch of tea right. because they were angry about taxes. But when you see uh, minority communities rioting and burning their own stuff, it's like, what are they doing? I don't understand. But pay, but you celebrate these people who did the same thing over money. They weren't, like the Boston Tea Party, they weren't mad because King George was just coming over killing people indiscriminately. <laughs> like they were mad because it was like taxes and my money. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And a final one. Barack and Michelle Obama watched Do the Right Thing on their first date. Their first date was Do the Right Thing. Ah. And look what happened after that. I know. Man. I bet Spike Lee never thought, man, I just made Do the Right Thing. You know who's going to watch this? (laughs) The first black president. (laughs) Of the United States and the best first lady ever. Oh, man. Yes. I like this movie. I did, too. It is disturbing in ways that it should be. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's, because it's. It's just really good filmmaking, too. It's very fun visually. 
and it really moves and it pops and you can feel how hot it is and there's all these characters who they all seem to kind of be on the spectrum i guess maybe that's why that smiley didn't bother me so much because radio raheem he seems like he has asperger's oh sure he does and bugging out seems like he has asperger's i don't know what martin lawrence was doing in this because he he was very like can I say spazzy or is that not a thing anymore? Spazzy is okay for yeah. me because I don't care. It was just the extended speech issue. I I, I felt like he was... Well, he was acting. It wasn't a good mm-hmm. performance, I will say. I felt like he was, a, okay, this is something we can laugh at. And hopefully we didn't watching it in 2019 hopefully we didn't laugh at him no i didn't laugh at him i just i felt more i mean because i know that there are people like that so i didn't i wasn't looking at it as oh this is the comic relief but maybe that's me looking at it in my 2019 eyes and in 1989 i really feel like there are people who did look at it yeah. I had a little girl in my class a long time ago who had that kind of a speech issue, nothing, nothing academic, but just took her. And I remember saying to the class, you know, it may take her a little bit longer to see what she has to say, but when she finishes, it's really great to hear what she had to say and think about what she hear, what she had to say, you know, cause mm-hmm. It's so easy to make fun of people who just can't get their thoughts out there. But when they do, it's like, damn, okay, wow. Because he did wrap up the whole movie yeah. at the end. So that I, yeah, I hope that that's how people watch it. But I mean, he, that's a, like, you really don't have that control that much over it in the movie. Because I'm, exactly. I would rather that he be in it like that than they not have him in it at all. Okay. It's me, but you yeah, you're yeah. free to be like no, they shouldn't have had him in it. But I, I mean, people I, people like that exist, and they should be represented. And it's on right. us to to be empathetic. There you go, there you go. And I'm hoping that people view it that way at this point in our lives. But in this Trump era, I feel like he would be mimicked and made fun of. Yeah, but that doesn't mean, but then almost by that logic, it's like, well, anybody that's going to be mimicked, then we can't, we can't have them. We can't show them. So I don't know. I could be wrong and it could be like, no, it was completely disrespectful. And what are you doing and stuff? And I'll be like, my bad. I didn't take it that way. I, I was very empathetic and I was like this people like this exist and stuff. And I thought that it was nice that. Like, they were like, oh, get away and get out of here. But remember when he comes up to the window and because it almost pops off then when he comes up to the window and Pino goes out there and then everybody's like, why are you messed? Like, leave him alone and stuff. Yeah, that's true. And Mookie giving him a hard time. I didn't I wasn't like, oh, Mookie, what are you doing? I sort of felt more like like that was you know, they were friends and they were from the neighborhood. So they were going to give each other, he was going to give them a hard time. But at the end of the day, he had his back and he was, and he did buy the picture. 
eventually. He did. He did. So, I mean, it's problematic. I'm not saying it's the perfect thing, but I'd, I would rather him be in it than not in it. And I feel good that I raised you right. Well, see, Ma, you didn't have to give me vegetables. You, you did the important things. <laughs> there you go. Eat these canned green beans and move on. Yeah, eat these okay. canned green beans and learn empathy. <laughs> okay, do the right thing. It was a it was good. It was good to look back on it and but sad to see that we're still having the same issues. And that's why the well, ending like, is so good. Like the issues had been kind of like dampered down and then the flames reignited. Well, and it just makes you wonder. What would have happened if Sal had just put up a freaking picture of Aretha Franklin? <laughs> you know? How hard would that have been? There you Sal? go. I mean, I mean, it that's is what true. I was waiting for they do, the whole time. They do say, know your audience. Yeah. So. Yeah, true. Exactly. What, Sammy Davis Jr.? Like, you're in New York. Jackie Robinson? Come on. Yeah. Okay, do the right thing. Next week, mm. I Int? went to Puppy, and I got a Puppy pick. Oh, no. Yeah. Is it on YouTube? It is not. A puppy but it pick. is on Prime Video. Hmm. All right. Are you going to give me a year or a ballpark or a clue? 1995. 1995. I'll even give you a director. All right. Give me the director. I'll nail it, though, with the director. Okay. Robert Minkowitz. Oh. <laughs> Not, hold on. 1995. I need to get in my mind time machine. If you could okay. see my mind, it would be a giant spinning wheel of rainbow right now. I understand. Now let me give you another clue. It was an HBO movie. That narrows it down. 106 minutes. Introducing Dorothy Dandridge? No. Not even close. How? I was in the 90s ballpark and now, it was an HBO movie. I'm going to give you a huge clue. Think Wait. Of your, think of your grandfather. Not your white one. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of my pilot. <laughs> there you go. The Tuskegee Airmen? Tuskegee Airmen, the HBO show, not Red Tails. With the, the one with Lawrence Fishburne? With Lawrence Fishburne. Ah, all right. It was Poppy's favorite of the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, Grandpa Chico, who was a Tuskegee Airman, liked Red Tails as far as the authenticity of it, the ground crew and such. But I, but Poppy said the Tuskegee Airmen 1995 HBO, we can watch it on Prime Video. Okay, nice. That's good. Paying homage to our Tuskegee Airmen. Mm. I had a real, a real out in left field one for you, but I'll save that for the end. I'll save that for the end of 
February if we ever see the end of February. Well, I think that I get the end of, I th isn't mine the end of February? Well, then I might be the beginning of March and I might just take it. Oh, you're just going to go into March 2nd? I love that. I'm going to go into March My 2nd because I have necessary. one that you are, you are so not expecting. So not expecting. This Black History Month is very stressful picking the movies. And it then I'm is. like, but, but we can pick these movies at any time. We can. <laughs> we can. But I thought it was fair to go to Poppy. And he wanted to honor the Tuskegee Airmen. And I think that's fair. That is very fair. But you just wait till March 2nd, oh, baby. Oh, man. March. Well, now I'm like, you just wait for the next week. Because I had so <gasps> many that were in left field. Oh, I wonder if you're going to do mine from total. I mean, we're talking left, left field. Well, the okay, one that we're I... going to do okay. Tuskegee Airmen 1995 HBO. It can be seen on Prime Video 106 minutes. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.